Hey, this is Cullen Bunn, the writer of The Six Gun, Magneto, and Sinestro, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Sign on the dotted line. Yep, that's his signature. Yeah. Is it hyphenated or not? I think it is hyphenated, isn't it? Woohoo. Or is it one word? You, I, have, you have to define it. I'm, I mean, because it's because it's not like one long. It's not like a yodel. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of partial to the hyphen. Okay. I broke my hyphen a long time ago. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. I was riding a bike, banana seat. Listen, the hyphen's good enough for Spidey. I thought it was when you were in the confessional. Oh, I don't talk about that. Too painful. <laughs> yeah. But we are not bringing any pain to you because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 760. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am the Frontiersman. Oh, you've read it, you bastard. You are not the Frontiersman. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And if you want to get your bazooks delivered right to your desor for a fraction of what everybody else is paying, all you got to do is go where? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has everything you want at the prices not a whole lot of people are paying, majority-wise, because you know the secret. Go to Discount Comic Book Service and you will save on books such as, from Aftershock, it's Croak, number one, written by Andy McDonald. No, it's not. It's written by Paul Tobin with art by Andy McDonald. It's a four ninety nine cover price book. For shame. But anyway, you're not paying that. It's $2.49. Over at Image, we got Jim Mafood back with the Girl Scouts. This one's called Stone Ghost, number one of six. $3.99 cover price. You are going to buy it for $1.99. That's 50% off. And certainly not least, but last, it's from Dynamite, exclamation point, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, number one, written by Stephen Mooney, with art by Jethro Morales, and a whole mess of people on cover art. $3.99 on the cover, $1.99 on your DCBS invoice. You're living. 50% off. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books delivered right to your damn door. There's nothing easier. Go there. Go there and save. Silly people. For real, though. Super real. Jason, did you like the bazooks I said and the 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 Dizor? I was I was I was down with it. You're so flavorful. I'm street all day long, right? Indeed. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Twenty five eight. Yeah. Oh, I needed I needed some refreshment tonight. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I am uh, I have a little theme going this week for my stuff that I'm going to talk about. And it, it's based on the number two. And I thought, well, why don't I 
drink two different beers. And I am. Oh. I'm drinking from Shipyard Brewing Company. This is the Pumpkin Head. Uh, and you may be asking yourself, Vince, what's with the pumpkin beer? You don't usually drink this stuff. This is true. Uh, my daughter Nina bought me a six pack, the make your own six pack. So I said, surprise me, get whatever you want. And she got me a one bottle of Shipyard Pumpkin Head. It's not bad. It's definitely not my go-to, but it's not bad. And in the other hand, from Flying Dog, I'm drinking Dogtoberfest. Marzen. And again, uh, Ralph Steadman has done the uh, label art, and it's beautiful. So uh, that's what I got. Nice. Yeah. Jason, what are you drinking? You could be the, the pause in the middle. No, I'm going to surprise you. I have a Florida Seltzer Blood Orange Pomegranate Hard Seltzer. Oh, there you go. Very nice. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in a long time we're all drinking the alcohol. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I no, feel like we had one pretty recently when uh, someone was on with us, I feel like. Yeah, it wasn't Tony. But yeah. No, Tony's never on when I'm on. We're doppel- <laughs> He's my doppelganger. <laughs> wow, Bob. What do you have, David? A uh, friend of mine dropped this off to me. This is uh, Whistle Pig. Bottled in barn, farm stock, rye whiskey. It's a blend. It's 86 proof. Uh, The rye is from Vermont and Canada and Indiana, all aged anywhere from 1 to 12 years. Um, And it is extremely good. I, I, I don't always go for rye, but, um, this this may be my favorite of uh, of that style of whiskey. Cool. Is it in the jarro? It is not. No. Oh. Well, you can still drink it. Yes, I think we'll allow it. Thank you. Nice. All right, so we have to get down with the comics. That's says so on the name of the. The show, so let's talk about some comics here. Let's do it. Okay. I have a bunch, so but they're not long. They're just little fast little little hits. Quick and hitters. the the uh impetus for this was as we are loath to admit, we run hot on first issues and forget about uh subsequent issues. More or less, right? That does happen. Yeah. So I thought, hey, let's go uh, follow up some of these uh, books. And I, I'm only talking about second issues tonight. I was thinking of calling it follow-up features. I don't know if I like that. Uh, sophomore scrutiny? Or <laughs> the, the much easier on the tongue, second issue spotlight. That one's the catchy one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I put the uh, question mark next to. But isn't it odd? That's the one you like. So let's call it what it is, Second Issue Spotlight. And uh, first, I have a book from Aftershock, written by Ed Brisson, with art by Damien Cosiero, 
and the color is provided by Patricio Del Peche. It is called Beyond the Breach, and it's number two. And uh, you may remember, I have much love for this book, so uh, I'm not going to make it real long. Uh, there was a major cliffhanger at the end of the first issue. Um, somebody gets eaten. Uh, but he's rescued, little Dougie's rescued from the belly of the Pistopod uh, by a new character. We get a, a, a brand new character pops up. He's uh, brilliantly designed. His name is Samuel Bluebond. And he's an older gentleman. Uh, now, remember, um, Beyond the Breach features the intersection of realities. Uh, the young lady, Vanessa, finds herself in a world filled with flying testicle eaters. There's, there's nasty creatures in this thing. Um, she runs into a little uh, fuzzy man uh, who she takes in. His, his name's Kai. Remember the little little creature? It looks kind of like a gremlin, but cuter. And uh, so there's no less than three realities intersecting in this book. And um, Samuel Bluebond is not from Earth, obviously. When we meet him, He's very Lovecraftian. He, uh, she, she lost her shit when she first met him because um, he's wearing this helmet that looks kind of squid-like, and it's drippy, and it, and it, and it, it covers his whole face. It obscures his whole face. So she didn't know whether it was his face or a helmet. You couldn't tell. So she freaked, freaked out, and he takes the helmet off, and. Um, Another thing that set her off a bit, uh, Samuel rides a giant tortoise. But the tortoise's name is Turtle, which I think is cute. Um, so he's from another reality. He saves Dougie from the, the Pistopod because I guess the Pistopod has more than one stomach. And the kid didn't proceed from the one stomach to the next more lethal stomach. I don't know. But the Pistopod has razor sharp teeth so i don't see how he could have put the kid in his mouth and you know swallow without doing some damage to the kid but suspension of disbelief the kid's okay um vanessa's tossed around and uses a lot of foul language there's there's a lot of uh abrasive um language in here not just the f word but the f word in combination with religious uh figures that maybe you know uh You'd find distasteful. I don't know. I didn't. But I would think that if, if you see a man riding a giant uh, tortoise and he cuts open a creature to pull out your little body, you'd say some pretty rough stuff, right? Because you're surprised. And there's a cliffhanger at the end of this book, too. Um, Samuel is a wanted man, right? There's somebody searching for Samuel because I guess he's created, he's um, he's committed treason of some kind. We're not uh, overly informed, which is a good thing because you want to read the next issue, right? But I'm reading the book. I'm going through the pages and I'm thinking, man, who doesn't love a good creature feature? But this book is not just a creature feature. It is. There's a lot of icky, slimy, brilliantly designed creatures walking, flying, slithering around. But it's also a mystery. We don't know what happened to make these realities intersect. It's it's a Science Gone Awry story, alternate worlds and cultures. I mean, come on. The, the book really has everything. 
And uh, the draw on this one is twofold. Not only is Damien Cosiero's art awesome, amazing, beautifully rendered. He's got a little bit of a uh, Eduardo Rizzo vibe, just a little. He he's not as pronounced with the with the uh, delineated shadows, like the real thick inky blacks that uh, um, Rizzo uses. But he's in that ballpark with the line work. I think it's it's very very well done. Uh, but the story in this book is great as well. I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I love bug-eyed monsters. I'm a sucker for the for the giant creatures. I'm also a, a pretty uh, easy mark for science gone awry and a fantasy setting mixed in with reality. So, I mean, it, this book does everything for me. So uh, if you're not reading Beyond the Breach from Aftershock, I really suggest you should look into it. If you if you like me grew up watching Saturday afternoon monster movies, the old sci-fi stuff like them and um you know I can go through the whole litany of the of those movies. Uh, I don't I won't bore you, but you know, the old stuff, the good stuff. You'll really love this book, I think. Yeah. Have you guys checked this out beyond the breach? Can't say that I have. It's wonderful. My opinion of Aftershock has changed. I was an asshole uh, discounting everything from them, and that's on me. But uh, I'm very willing to learn from my mistakes, and uh, I'm I'm glad because this is one of the highlights of every one of my boxes. I, I pulled this out in the first stack. I set up all the books I want to read first. This is in it all the, every time. So that's a big leap from totally uh, crossing Aftershock off my list to now buying a good number of Aftershock titles. I've grown. Uh, yeah. I, I have to say I'm not a big... I mean, it, well, I can't say I'm not a big Aftershock fan. I just don't find myself reading much Aftershock. And it, it, it's not like we were discounting them from Jump. I mean, No, I was, was reading Insects, no, because we were reading Animosity. Yeah. And, and, and you know, A Walk Through Hell. I mean, we've... we've, we've we may not have been impressed with their location in previews or judging them based on, on what we saw there. But that's him. They, that's they not still, me. They, I mean, they don't always, it, I mean, it's like the same thing, thing with Ahoy. I, you know, I, I enjoy the wrong earth and, and things in that universe, but I don't, I, I stop looking at or, or signing off on complete, lines from a publisher i i just you know I, I i look for what what interests me and yeah i mean there are times where i'll see something from aftershock and i'll just keep turning the page but i don't we we like what we like and it's, yeah they got me I, for four ongoings as of the new previews not the newest meaty. not the newest previews last previews right uh that i haven't done my video for yet but i will uh they have me for i think six so that's a that's a, a pretty strong play. I with, think it's half their line. Yeah, maybe, but um, speaking of Ahoy, I think I've cooled on them too. Um, when they first we, you and I, David, we bought everything. Yeah, and then I don't know. It's just there's a sameness to all of it. Like the uh, Edgar Allan Poe stuff is the same stuff every issue. It's not bad stuff, but 
I, I, you know, I want something a little bit different. Uh, so I, who knows? Cyclical, right? They'll come around. I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not uh, totally cutting the cord on Ahoy. Um, Jamal's work on Wrong Earth is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too true. Yep. And it's got that pulpy oh. goodness to it, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I saw what you were putting down when you were throwing out, uh, your little theme. So I, I figured, all right, this, this, this could work. Um, and I, I, uh, grabbed a couple second issues of things that I enjoyed the first issue of or didn't and gave it a second shot. But, um, I got some didn'ts too. First up for me is, uh, blue and gold number two. By Dan Jurgens and Ryan Sook, um, and it is a fantastic first issue. I thought the, the I'm sorry, it's a fantastic second issue. I thought the first issue um, was the first issue actually kind of reminded me of the um, the old Owsley Falcon miniseries, where that first issue was kind of like designed to be a one shot, but they ended up going with a four-issue miniseries, which is why the last three issues are so different than the first. First issue kind of just set things up, and with with Booster wanting to be back in the Justice League, this issue kind of we we needed the first issue to get here, but but the second issue really does um, have me excited for for what's to come. We we're thrown in we're thrown into the action pretty much right at the start. Um, there's a uh, there's a hijacking going on. A driverless truck designed by Cord Industries has has been hijacked, and um, and that's not supposed to happen. But uh, Booster is trying to stop the hijacking from happening, and uh, doesn't really go to according to plan. So Beetle has to kind of come in and swoop in to save the day. Um, and there's there's a great conversation, there's some great back and forth between the two. Again, you know, I mean, it's his creation, so of course Jurgens knows how to write a booster gold. Um, this feels like the Ted Cord I read in the '80s, even even before the Justice League. Um, but Sook's art is fantastic in this issue. Uh, you still have the um, Skeets is live streaming their adventures so you have uh, everybody on social media commenting on what's going on and of people saying you know it's fake news and booster's only going to set this up because you know he can't fail and of course he's going to make himself look good and um i'm pretty sure bibbo was one of the dudes talking on the uh in these exchanges i also think um trixie dirk's secretary um is one of the uh the people online but there are no real names, of course, but um, it it was it was really a lot of fun. Although there is there is quite a bit of a life change for Ted in this issue, um, and of course that happens around the same time Booster Gold makes an announcement that kind of uh, he shouldn't have had he known what Ted was going through. But uh, you know, if like I said, I dug the first issue was going to come back for the second, but the, uh, the second one really turned it up a notch. And, and, and uh, I'm excited to see how things go from here, but we have, um, it, it, there's, 
it's funny. There's some jokes, some inside jokes. There's, uh, you know, the booster in order to uh, maybe um, have a big publicity stunt. Maybe, you know, they should have a fake death, which sets up a miraculous return. And they kind of do a um, an homage to uh, the, the death of Superman with booster on the ground and beetle in the lowest lane position. And, uh, it's, it, it is booster is going to be booster. Of course. Um, beetle is there to kind of ground him and bring him back to reality. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's just there. The whole, the way the issue ends and, and how, uh, where, where, where they're setting things up for the next, uh, for the next part of, of this miniseries should be should be interesting and definitely make way for more laughs. But yeah, I uh, I'm quite happy to say that uh, that I'm not disappointed in Bloom Gold. Yeah, I'm not surprised. They're uh, the they're the Martin and Lawrence of comics. Martin <laughs> and Lawrence, that's great. Yeah, how about that? Uh, I meant. Yeah, you know Martin and Lewis, but I, I, I twisted it. But uh, no, I think the book looks really great. Um, uh, wild Horses couldn't keep you away from this book. It's true. Yeah. You're probably right. It is, I mean, if anything, it, it's it's a little, because it is Sook, it's, it might be a little shiny, and, and it's definitely more polished than, uh, but I mean, it's fitting for Booster Gold. But... But Booster doesn't need the uh, all the all the gloss and the the JJ Abrams lens flare and everything like that. But it, yeah. it's they they do work really well together, of course. And well, work might be a strong stretch, but uh, they 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 are good together. Okay, in hindsight, uh-huh. Infinite Crisis, <laughs> uh-huh. good move or bad move as uh, uh, it uh, applies to Mister. Uh, Blue Beetle. I I'm gonna say, for me, a bad move. First of all, it it obviously it, I mean, well, yeah, New Fifty Two and Rebirth and everything. It didn't stick, obviously, but no. uh, there was no there. It was who, what 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 did it what was it, what did it benefit? I mean, right. there was just it, there was not there was no oh my. I mean, of all, yes. He's 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 a fan favorite character and and oh my god I can't believe you did that but it's not like it it it's not like he was the backbone of so many things going on it was just like we need to kill somebody off and right. let's just it I mean it 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 just it, it we 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 go back to this well because it's it's easy pickings but it's the whole you know it, it's the whole Captain Adam Hawk monarch thing all over again it's just like listen you know we're just gonna throw something there and hopefully we'll get a reaction and people will either surprise them or they can't believe they did this but it, it's just yeah it was it was silly yeah i think it was a bad move too. unnecessary yeah yep. i think when you uh launch an event with a death that's bad juju i mean it it, it puts a, a a pallor over everything but when you kill off a fan favorite character like boost like uh blue beetle i don't know i I just thought there was really bad mojo going into it It, it, infinite crisis was definitely not a fun read it was it was a good read but it was not fun 
Right. And and I just it it was there was a uh, like a shroud over the entire ordeal because Blue Beetle's dead. Like in what reality should that have ever happened? Exactly. Yeah. And I don't even think and and because of that, it for me anyway, I feel it lessened um, what Diana did later on in the event. Um, I thought with what she Maxwell did was... Thing, I mean, it, no, that, I, I, listen, she's she's a warrior. I, I get why she did it, but it, it was just, it was like, hey, we got rid of this Justice Leaguer earlier on. Now let's also get rid of this guy who was pulling the strings for the Justice League back then. Yeah. It's just, it was just, it was, it was too close in the family for me. It was just, I mean, I, I had Diana just done what she did. If Wonder Woman did what she did to Max Lord on its own that's fine but in conjunction with what they did with ted it just the, the whole thing was just kind of messy yeah but i mean just for the if you're taking notes i wholeheartedly co-signed what diana did yes it's I do too. it's the whole batman joker thing if batman just snaps joker's neck no more people yep. die yep right yep so and speaking of heroes that will take that next step Oh, segue. I decided to jump in on a little number two joint with y'all, too. Oh, you're a beautiful man. What do you got? Superman and the Authority. Stick it with DC, too. Superman and the Authority, number two. Written by Grant Morrison. Uh, Most of you will probably recall that Mikkel Janine did the art in issue one. He also does the art in issue two, but he has an assist, well, multiple assists from Evan Cagle and Fico Osio. Uh, now, you might be cringing, saying, dude, can't even get through two issues. It's not that. It's not that. It, it actually is by design because you guys know me for a long time. What is one of my favorite tropes? Get in the gang, gang together. together. Get in the gang together. That's why I love team books. I love when team books say, meet our new roster. Love that shit. And that's what this is. Really, that's what the entire miniseries is. Uh, it's, it, the, the miniseries is uh, Clark Kent is... Uh, losing his powers and he's but he's still a man of immense resource and wisdom and knowledge and so he's essentially become tom strong he recruits manchester black to put a team together to fight uh, a it, an unknown foe at the start of the miniseries we we actually find out who the foe is in the third issue but talking about the second issue tonight um and the second issue is the beginning of the recruitment in earnest uh, we see them go out and recruit Natasha Irons, a.k.a. Steel, uh, Midnighter and Apollo, and then attempt to recruit the Enchantress. And each of the uh, aforementioned artists handles one of the recruitment segments to break it up visually, which I thought was a well, well-executed uh, idea. And uh, I think this is great, man. You know, I don't have much experience with Manchester Black, uh, but I think it's a... It's a terrific foil against Superman uh, in terms of their personalities. And this is definitely a book. You can tell it's a Morrison book because he borrows liberally from concepts he set up in prior incarnations, helming these characters. But at the same time, it's very high level. Uh, the dialogue is adult. And I just think it's terrific. I I, I wish it wasn't a miniseries. I wish it was uh, a new ongoing. Maybe it, maybe. It, well, I was going to say maybe it will be, but it probably won't because I doubt Morrison would stick around. But uh, either way, I thought that the second issue was uh, as good, if not better, than the first. And um, and the third was was legit, too. We find out, as I said, who the who the foe is. And in that, 
the foe is putting his own super team together to take on the authority. So we got super teams forming left and right. Wow. It's almost overload. It's too much for you. No, there's never enough. (laughs) I want to read a book where they have to recruit like 300 people. One an issue. One an issue, yep. All right. Uh, I got a question for you, Mr. Wood. Mm. Do you have a bullet loaded into your gun um, for your recent foray into soliciting our wonderful patrons' uh, questions to be answered on the show? Oh, you mean? Oh, it, it, look at you. Um, yes. So, well, for 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 listeners who are neither a part of the Slack or the Patreon or the Facebook group, and that's many of you, um, you know, we often ping for ideas to chit chat about. And I was thinking, you know, doing the show for a long time, and there are those. Um, like I think there's while the stereotype of being a comic geek has 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 uh, faded, right? I mean, as 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 these characters and and these worlds have become such an important part of mainstream culture, I still think there is some segment of the populace that uh, you know thinks of of like comic book people as like nerds, and they think that we sit around all day talking about shit like who would win a, in a fight between Superman and Thor, or you know who had the better costume or who's hot, you know, uh, basically the, the, the stereotypical geek questions that they think we sit around and debate every day when in fact we, we don't do that. But I thought, well, what if we flip the script and what if in fact we embrace that for once? So what if we, what if we got our wonderful EOC community members to ask us those very questions, the stupid shit, the, 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 the in the, in the weeds, roll up your sleeves, geeky shit, that uh, that we just don't often find ourselves talking about, but it can be fun in in uh, you know in doses. So I gotta say, um, normally when we ask for questions, you know we'll get a good I don't know what fifteen twenty thirty responses maybe. We've got like <laughs> like two hundred of these. Yeah, it was almost uh, like Vince asked the question. Oh, here we yeah, go. Yeah, I, well I, I I logged in as Vince. So I, I, I yeah. pre- pretended to be Vince, um, and so yeah, we we have enough that if if this segment is fun, if we enjoy it, and it's well received, we could just make this a every so often segment. We could just you know throw a few of these out there and just riff with it. I'm uh, down to do there's, it. There's there's lots, and I must tell you that uh, other than occasionally checking in just to see how the the thread was progressing from a volume perspective, I intentionally haven't. Uh, like inspected the questions in any with any great depth yet? Yeah, it's going to be kind of more yeah more fun to do it off the cuff. Um, I so even got so excited by the whole thing. I was asking questions too. See, you jumped in. Yeah, I did. In. Yeah, why not? All right, so I'm just going to throw. I'm just going to almost do like a random number generator. Okay, ready? And and either of you can go first. Do you have these in a spreadsheet? Of course. No, I'm going to put them in a spreadsheet. I don't have them in a spreadsheet yet. They will go in a spreadsheet, and there is a reason for that. As you know, the Slack, because we're cheap, we don't have the premium version. So uh, it basically only keeps X number of messages before they get pushed out of the back and deleted forever. So at some point in the next month or two, this thread where we ask the question will disappear. So we need to archive it. So I will do that. But I haven't done that yet. Um, Okay, 
let's start off with one from our man Kevin Quas. Who is the best archer in comics, and why is it Hawkeye? Discuss. <laughs> <sighs> well, right out the gate, I disagree with Hawkeye. Okay. Um, I got to go with Ollie. As a character, I think Ollie's far more uh, fleshed out than Clint. That's my basis. I'm not basing it on his ability to strike a mark with his uh, with his weapon. Uh, I'm talking just in terms of the 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 robustness of the character, the believability. The one that I feel like I know over the years is Ollie, as opposed to Clint, who's just always been like the "woe is me" second stringer, West Coast adventure, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I like a, I like spurt of. Huh? of uh... Of Hawkeye, I don't think that's always been Clint's role, but okay. No, I, I I like Hawkeye, but I can't say that I know him. That's because you didn't read the more recent series by. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't. Close. But that this question doesn't. The the question as posed by Kevin did not say. You know, up to the current incarnation of these characters, who's the better? It's just like there who do, you are know. no wrong answers here. Right. 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 Yes. So, all right, you're going to say Ollie. Not I'm surprised. Saying, yeah. That? <laughs> really? If, if that's not surprising, then then there should absolutely be no no reason why my answer would be. I, you know, listen, I've I've grown to enjoy Hawkeye over the years. I mean, I was the West Coast Avengers miniseries was great, and I was there when it's when the series started. Um and you know, I mean, we were just talking about what they did to Blue Beetle. It's it's similar to what they did with Hawkeye during Disassembled. And I just it's, I I think he's been shown respect in recent years, but when it comes to who I find who I'm partial to, it's it's Green Arrow. It's it's Silver Age and beyond green arrow it's not the golden age dude but it is it's 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 the denny o'neill neil adams version of green arrow and uh the mike bar trevor von eden version and and whoever was in world's finest that that's it, for me it's green arrow yeah i mean the boxing glove arrow is cheesy but uh you know you get the longbow hunters and things like that out of it uh yeah i gotta say his, you gotta give it up to mike grell too yeah it's it, it there's I mean, he's he is somebody who He's never Clint. I've always gotten the impression since you know he where he started from and becoming one of Cap's quartet, and he's always wanted to be a superhero. Ali is just a man of the people. He's just he he's he he fights for the common man and woman, regardless of where they're from, and and his relationship with the other heroes and how he Green Arrow is one character who who brings everybody else around him down to earth. Batman is too out of touch. Superman is 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 basically an alien god. Everybody else that that Ollie hangs out with is more than than he is. And he's just he's he's somebody who I see him in a book and it's it's weird to say, you know, you can relate to the guy, but he is somebody that you can kind of you 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 tend to agree with him more than pretty much any other character uh, you may be reading in that story. I just I'm I'm an Ollie fan. I'm a Green Arrow fan, and he does great crossovers with Batman in the Question. <laughs> 
that he does. Yeah. Well, and 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 he's got Dinah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never understood that. I gotta be. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think she is out of his league. Oh, way out of his league. Yeah. I, I like I said, there's no wrong answers, but I do think you're both wrong. Uh, the answer, of course, is Jeff Terrell, aka Shaft, greatest archer. Mm. Young blood. Okay. Uh, thanks for clarifying that, uh, young for blood. For our <laughs> listeners, dude. I, I, I know you know who that is, but a lot of our people that are listening are like, who the fuck is Shaft? Exactly. That, that's why it boggles my mind that you're going with that. No, I'm kidding. I know. Uh, no, I mean, I have to go with Hawkeye. I, I think Ollie's cool. In fact, if we're judging this on uh, like holistically in all forms, I, I much like Dap, have huge love for the Arrow TV show. Love yeah. Ollie in that form a lot. Um, but just be I mean, I've read so many more Hawkeye comics, and sure. certainly as an Avengers mark, I, I, I love most Avengers. I also love him for being the leader of the Thunderbolts, which is a series near and dear to me. Um, and and I think in the last 10 years, when we've gotten people like Fraction and Lemire and stuff to, to write him in a solo form, I think they did an awesome job of fleshing him out and making him more interesting. So, yeah, I mean, but I, I got nothing against Ollie. Archers are pretty cool. I actually think it's a pretty cool conceit. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're putting on your nerd hat, you could say like, "How are these, how are these humans hanging out with gods and being effective?" But that's that's fun. That's the fun of comics, right? That a dude with some trick arrows can stand toe to toe with a god, right? Yeah, well, that was my reasoning. Boxing glove arrows. What can't a boxing glove arrow take out? <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's keep this going with with good friend Brian Newbery and uh, Vince. This has got you. Got to start us off. Battle of the Swamp Monsters, Man Thing versus Swamp Thing. No question, Man Thing. Interesting. And yeah, why? Um, is this uh, in terms of strength or in terms of uh, best overall representation in comics? Like what? What is no the... no qualifiers? That's how the question was posed. Uh, See, it's it would be very hard for me to pick. Um, you have the genius of Steve Gerver butting heads with the genius of Alan Moore. What? Who do you pick? I, I can't. Um, but Man Thing was pretty close to the first um, Marvel character that I ever really fell in love with. He's my favorite Marvel character, so uh, I, I have to side with uh what's left of of ted but i also love swamp thing too and uh, for for many other reasons i mean the first time i encountered swamp thing was under at the hands of bernie wrightson how does that not explode your head uh but it, it the way i'm i'm trying to to uh, meter the 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 amount of of resonance in in my brain for both characters. I think I still would have to side with Man Thing. Yeah, I'm gonna go with it, Man Thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I mean, for me, it has to be Swamp Thing, just because I I think Alan Moore Swamp Thing run is just an all timer, and I and you're such a DC mark. That's the thing. Well, but but that's my kind of my point. Though. Like swamp, like more swamp thing transcends being a DC versus Marvel person, and so for me, I gotta 
give that the edge. But right. uh, yeah, but I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight like Vince does. Mm-hmm. Uh, design wise, I think Man Thing wins as well. Love this the Swamp Thing design, but there's something about those two brilliant orbs surrounded by green dangly carrot things that just it sets my world on fire much like if he touched me yeah, <laughs> yeah. how about you dad um i've i've read i've read more swamp thing stories than i've read man thing stories i i love that swamp thing movie and um i i really i'm not I'm not well versed in either, but based on Vince's love of Man Thing, I'm going to go with Man Thing for this. You said that Swamp Thing movie. You've never seen the second one? I have. I have. Oh, okay. So you're just okay. <laughs> it's it's a quality issue. Just yeah. oh yeah, no. I mean, I, I definitely you know, hey, Heather Locklear's nothing to sneeze at either. But no, that that first one is. It, I mean, thanks to HBO, I I can't tell you how many times I've seen that movie and seeing seeing him reach his little little nub out so that the sun can make his arm grow and then and then when homeboy when 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 um uh armand fucking turns him into that little piglet humanoid thing i was just i mean it freaked me the fuck out when i was younger but yeah that that, that movie's just yeah it means something to me and adrian barbeau so yes yep 100 percent. yeah respect that cannibal run baby um escape from new york hmm? escape from new york facts well, she was married to Carpenter, right? At the time? Uh, I'm pretty sure she was his wife at the time that the movie was filmed. Yeah, I think she's in The Fog, too. Nice. Yeah, I think she's the radio DJ in The Fog. I don't know. Uh, one, one more. There's a ton of these, so we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll come, we'll, we can come back to it. But um, I'm going to go with one of Alex Manfield because he threw out like 73 of them. So just sheer volume. I need to. We need to give him give him uh, some propers here. Uh, let's see. Um, all right, here's one. Uh, strongest and by strongest, I'm not sure if he means best, but strongest non-powered hero villain in the Marvel universe or the the, the DC universe. Easy. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. What does he mean by strongest? I think he means like most powerful, right? Like most. All right. Uh, somebody else will take it because I the one I was thinking of is not strong. Well, in DC, my my mind immediately goes to Lex Luthor, right? I mean, and I know that in, on occasion he's had powers, but I think we can all agree generally he's unpowered, right? Like we would agree that right. he count. So in that case, I mean, he is a human with no powers who has somehow managed to consistently put himself in a position of great wealth and power, but also is legitimately Superman's greatest threat. Yeah. Like consistently, in spite of being human. Or maybe because of it, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, there's no Marvel analog to Lex Luthor. Almost. Not, no, he doesn't fight gods, but I think Kingpin is on, not not on the same level, but he's at least in the same state no that's fair yeah i mean king right king king i guess that's fair i mean although i always wonder like does he not have power right like i mean they've always drawn him really strong yeah i mean 
like it's hard to see like he's drawn to be like way bigger and stronger than a human would be right but but i guess you're right i guess technically he's never been he's physically imposing he's like he's like the mountain he's like he's just yeah yeah he's a massive fucking dude he's 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 dense and he knows how to fight um but he's just yeah he's just he's just really strong and in marvel i gotta go with nick fury at least in its his pre now it's his son incarnation right like i mean and certainly that even carries into the mcu i would say because it just he he is the he has found a way to put himself at the at the, the center of all the most important things and has managed to cater influence uh, in a way that, uh, you know, no elected government official certainly would have. Uh, he's like the ultimate spy and the ultimate leader and politician all at once. So I, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Fury. Huh. Um, I was thinking strong, not as in, as in strength, but as, as a foundation. And I, I can't make up my mind between which Kent. So I'm going to say Alfred again. It's not a physically imposing thing. It's just somebody who is, um, is necessary and, uh, their presence enables others to, um, be better and i don't think I, I i don't think bruce would be who he is without alfred but yeah I, when it comes to the whole um strongest but not powered i mean luther's a good pick but i i i really i really do like the kingpin one well don't you have to automatically pick batman by default for dc i mean bruce oh. Wayne doesn't have any powers yeah, I guess that's true. I, it just shows you like he's so ubiquitous as a superhero. I just right? don't even. Yeah, no, I mean that probably is the right answer, just because right, he is a human. Yeah, I think I would go with Karate Kid in DC. He's pretty mm. damn formidable. He doesn't have powers. No, no, no. Just his martial arts. Guy. And I, th- I remember. I mean, he held his own against Superboy. Yeah. How, how do you do that with with just being a uh, uh, an incredibly talented fighter. I mean, if Superboy gets one good hit in, <laughs> you're paced. Yeah. Right? You could get really ex- esoteric with this and say, what is power, right? Because, like, plenty of both DC and M- Marvel and DC both have characters that are alien that aren't really powered for them, but, like, they, you know, like, take, like, Gamora, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think she's powered per se, but I think on Earth she'd be devastatingly dangerous right well she's the deadliest, oh, sure. deadliest woman in the galaxy right yeah i mean right by reputation so i mean you know yeah i don't know yeah well um i didn't yeah i would say kingpin for marvel okay yeah so why don't we uh i'm going to continue when you can find a couple more questions and we'll break all this stuff up with with more patron sure. questions but i'm just going to keep on with the second issue spotlight Let's keep All right, after going. you go, we'll, we're going to do a, a question that you posed in the group. To, oh, to nice. Me. That's funny. So. Um, this is published by Source Point Press, with, uh, written by Ivan Lassingtola. Lassingnola, sorry. I always get that wrong. Illustrated by Francesco Iaquinta. 
It's uh, colored by Lasignola and Alessi Tarugi. I talked about the first issue uh, of Runes a while back. I uh, enjoyed it very much. Unfortunately, I believe the second issue squanders the promise that was presented in the first. Uh, no, not, not in terms of the story. What? So you hate to see it. I do. Uh, the story still tight and interesting and at, at, at many points in, in the narrative riveting but um, there's plenty of good stuff in the story department in the visuals they just look extremely rushed and slapshot and very very digital um, it, it's one of those instances where it's very apparent that the uh, illustrator had a deadline that he was trying to meet and he cut every corner to meet said deadlines. Uh, visually, it's not a very impressive book. Unlike the first issue. The first issue was beautiful. And, and I compared parts of it to Frank Miller's work. Uh, so, I mean, that's a very high compliment. The second issue uh, does not have the goods when it comes to the visuals. But the story is, is great. I mean, we get more insight into uh, the Northman, who is now named... His name, his name is Arnar. Um, we also learn a little bit about Iona of the uh, clan Dadox. Uh, plus, there's the introduction of a despicable, bloodthirsty, war-hungry son named Fjorn of Jondal, uh, who is very much involved in the framing of Arnar. Uh, he's a prick. And he imprisons Arnar's mother, Tuva, because she has the good sense to know that her son did not commit the murder that they said he, every, you know, the two witnesses, in quotes, said that uh, they uh, saw Arnar do the deed. And it's just, he's, he's being bamboozled, and, and the mother knows, but uh, Fjorn, he wants to nip that in the bud. He has her uh, sent to the dungeons because he doesn't want the truth coming out and the truth uh i'll let you find out for yourself should you decide to read this series but he's definitely the loki of this book uh i'm still extremely interested in the story uh i really hope the art rebounds with issue three uh, if the cover is in any indication it's a gorgeous cover with the witch that i talked about from issue issue one if the cover's in any indication it will rebound but um this is definitely a dip in the uh, in the curve for runes, and that was runes number two. That's why I wanted to put it here as a downer because the rest of them go up, up, and up. I guess you can say you ruined it. Mm. Quack, <laughs> quack, <laughs> ut. <laughs> so, so what's the question that I asked? Well, you asked a bunch of questions, Mr. Talk. I, I know. I'm yeah. silly. I'm silly. I was but, in the uh, mood. I was at the desk doing work, uh, destroying acne, and I was like, ah, here's a good one. I'll put this in there. Why not? Yeah. I'll be so nice. busy this week. Here's a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, you said, name the one current comic artist that makes everyone else look bad by comparison. Yes, and I have an answer to that. That's why I posed the question. And, and, I, I find the question fascinating. I, I, I blatantly reject the premise. Of course. 
Because I just think it like it invites if 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 it to answer it with one person and suggest that there aren't dozens of jaw dropping artists out there working the craft right now that I just can't believe exist. So, yep. Uh, so I but but uh but I will answer it because I mean it's there it's been posed but but I'll have to I'm gonna have to couch it with it's not someone I think that uh, makes everyone else look bad by comparison but I will couch it as saying. My answer will be someone who is so good, I think they make quite a few other artists working today in comics look bad by comparison. You but always, not all. You always got to tweak the, the rules. He's, he's got, well, there's, there's conventions coming. Man. These are my people. I can't, be, I can't be fronting on people I'm trying to come, cop art from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> brother's brother's got to eat. Okay. Who is it? But go ahead with your answer. You asked the question. So oh, you have an answer. Yes, I do. I have a, an answer. Um, and it's a guy that has concocted a visual recipe of straddling the line between indie underground art and mainstream. His his sensibilities are somewhat mainstream, but his aesthetic, his visual voice is so mired in the indie world. Uh, he has... Uh, uh, there's a flourish to his work that I don't see in anybody else's work. I, for my money... The guy that makes everybody look bad by comparison is uh, Michel Fife. Okay. You don't agree with that? Well, again, I'm not going to. No, I mean, like, this is a tricky thing. I love love Michelle. In fact, I just chatted with him a week ago. Um, So, no, I mean, but. I think he's special in his own way. I, I think his style is um, is one where I think it works well on the things he does, but I don't think would work well on lots of other. Well, it's, that's not fair. It works well right, because so you're, you're talking about the one, the rule of them all, like the one ring. I think yeah. if it's the one ring, it is fair. No, it's not. Just because he's he's you're not you're saying he's not versatile enough to draw Amazing Spider-Man. I did not say that. See, this is why this question sucks. I did not say that. I said that. You, do I? You asked me. I do. I think Michelle Fife puts all other artists look bad by comparison. No, no, I don't. I think he's got a great style that works for his work, and I very much like it. And I don't. But I, I, I don't. Like I don't look at his rendering and think. No one can touch this man. Like, oh. I don't know if like, oh, he's got a great style. That's right. like you said, it's great because his yeah. work, the things he's passionate about, the stories he likes to tell are very much like you said. I mean, he lives to straddle that fence between classic superhero tropes and his own indie comics with an X style. And, and he's perfect for that, as is like someone like a Matt Allison or a Matt Lisniewski. Like, there's like, I, I think he's of a school that like it really works well. Uh, but do I like his feet fade on my Mount Rushmore of people I, I working today? No, I, I I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I, I'm I, not I, looking I'm, for a Swiss Army knife here. I'm looking for the guy whose work on the on paper, the marks this person makes, the 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 manner by which he chooses to color his work. It's so different and so far removed than everyone else. I, I I'm being totally honest. I think FIFA is top of the heap. 
And I and, and I realize and, it's subjective. There's no right. Way. Uh, yeah, and and I think what surprises me, Vince, and and you know, there's there's no disputing Fifa's work and his style, and 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 it's fantastic. But I would have if if somebody had asked me if I were going to guess who you would answer, I would have said James Harron. Based on your description and and your criteria. That's who I thought of. That's hmm. not my answer, but but for you, I mean, and again, I love hearing Fife. I, I I think that's a fantastic pick. But knowing you and everything you just said, for some reason, just, Heron just no, just, yeah, I Heron's up there, man. But, right. Um, I think the the uh, the energy in Fife's marks eclipses Heron's for me. I can see. Okay, all right. For 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 me, the 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 answer is Grandpa. Woof! I didn't expect that. I, I didn't expect that from Dap. I mean, I I love Rafael Grampa. I mean, I guess I like I wouldn't have thought the same because he. I feel like I got to penalize him for not doing a lot of work, but but like the work he's done has been in, just just gobsmacked. But I say I think he, I mean he he gets down and dirty. He can he he can draw the superheroes the way you expect them to look. But yeah, there's the he's he's somebody who I think is versatile. I ain't looking for versatile. I know you're not. <laughs> but I hear That's like saying, Hey Frank, why are you doing all that rain? What yeah, the I mean, fuck? I'm with that like, that like Tim like Heron is very close to the top for for me. I, I like I think that's like that I can get with. I, I like if you had said James Heron, I'd be like, Oh, I feel you, I feel you. Um I don't know if I can answer this. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't like. There's so many different artists that I think are incredible. I don't like. I don't. Um, this is called when your expenditures clash with your. No, podcast. not even. It's just that, like, I mean, one of the reasons I love this hobby is, and and also one of the reasons I collect art is because art just turns me on. Like I, like I don't, like I don't know how I would compare Heron to David Rubin to Pepe Larraz to Jerome Pena, like I, I like they all are magic to me. Like yeah. Wes Craig is magic. Like what like Wes Craig's line is simpler, but when I look what he does with it and the panel layouts and the story he t- like I they, they all just like Mateo, I, I like they all they all thrill my me. That's on what, my list too. My, my, yeah, exactly. He's done, yeah, they, he's done the barbarian they, shit and he does mm-hmm. the superhero. I mean, you know, they all thrill me in a, like yeah. in their own way and it's like I I take things from each of them just, and I'm like, so many of them, I, you know, or like guys like Stuart Eminem, I'm like, how do, like, all the time, mm-hmm. Jim Chung, I look at them and I say, how do they do that? Like, how do they render that way? Olivia Coipel, like, I'm, I, so many of them, I just, like, can't believe that they can do what they do, you know? The um, question does not care. <laughs> but I'm just trying to think, like, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have, like, I don't think I have an answer that, like, really matches it because, like, if you were to say to me, like, all right, you could only hire one living artist to draw something for you, what would it be? I mean, I guess under that auspice, it would, uh... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think, like, it would depend on the this subject. Great. Like, I don't, like, I, I, um, man, I, you know, I, I, uh, like, I mean, I'm, I might be inclined to, yeah, I just don't know, like, I might... I might say Alan Davis, like I might see Art Adams. I don't know, like it, like say Luis Garcia Lopez. No, I wouldn't say that. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, no disrespect to him. He just doesn't hold, oh. like he doesn't hold any, an emotional. I don't have any emotional right. attachment to him. But um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, like, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be Teo. I, I mean, I like, if it's like I could only read comics from one person ever again, I'd, I'd probably be him. So, I mean, I'd be sad that I can only read comics from one artist ever again, but if it had to be, it'd probably be Scalera. Okay. It's a hard question. You're a bastard. I, I, don't, know. Know why, I, I don't know why I gave that airtime. I just wanted yeah, to, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, I just feel like big up in uh, uh, Fife, because I think the man there is... There are other ways you could have done it, but yeah. Well, I just think that, well, that's scorched earth, baby. See, Vince is all about trolling. Alex Mansfield said, you can only keep one, Watchmen or DKR, and Vince responds, easy answer, Alex. Exactly. It's a very easy answer for me. Okay, go ahead. Dark Knight Returns. Oh, come on. Oh, yes. <laughs> that. See, that's what I was afraid of. I would wipe DKRs with. I would use it as toilet paper on my my ass after chilly night. I think. Keep now wait. Let me just let me just answer this question. I think Watchmen is a far superior work. Okay. Sure. But the art in Dark Knight Returns speaks to my soul. The sure. the art and story in Watchmen speaks to my brain. I would mm. I go with the soul every time. The, the Dark Knight Returns is a very magical, very special book that, uh, unfortunately, I don't think Frank is ever going to repeat that. That you're two of the best books of all time. So it's like, sure. Man, it's a good question because it's. I mean, you're you're we're talking two sacred cows. For the, there's one line in Dark Knight Returns that just blows Watchmen away from me. For how eloquent and well written um, Watchmen is, Batman don't shiv. That has never left my brain. Uh-huh. So, Dark Knight Returns is the clear answer for me. Dap? Oh, my God. It's like... It's fucking Sophie's Choice. It's... it's uh, Oh, man. Um, I... <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. It is, it is, it's, it's incredibly tough. But if when I start to just when when I start to weigh them, and I pro and con, and I I I, I, I fucking jenga them, it it's if I can only keep one, then the one I'm keeping is Dark Knight Returns. Woot! I mean, I listen. I I adore Watchmen, and I think it's I'm a out. fantastic piece of work. But <laughs> it's it's something that I mean, but we—the reason why I love Watchmen so much is because I know the history. I have the history with it, and and I know what they were doing. Cracking but, up. but yeah, I mean, I and I I, I knew I knew this That's answer blasphemy. for both of I knew this answer for both That's of you. There was no I, way. I absolutely knew Jason. You were going to pick Watchmen. There's no two fucking ways about it. And there's absolutely <laughs> no way Vince was going to choose Watchmen over Dark Knight. Return. Exactly. It's not happen. No. And, and for me, it's it's I just it for me it's strictly emotional. I mean, yeah, Watchmen is a wordy bitch, and it 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 can be you know it it can be pretentious, and it it you could have all these adjectives attached to it, and it's it's a fantastic piece of work, and I wish other people would read it. I, I wish people who who would read it, read it. I wish I could put them back in that time, and they knew everything that was going on, so they'd get even more out of it. But as it stands on its own, if you if you give it to somebody today and like you know, hey, read this. It's the best comics ever. It's it's heavy. It's daunting. People aren't going to get it. But you know, there's just there there is there is something about what Miller did 
in those four issues that I it's it's magic. And not to say that Watchmen isn't, but if if I have to if if someone, you know, is holding them both off the edge of a of a roof and, and I have to pick one, I'm I'm yeah. I'm saving Dark Knight. I think it's it's all about what you're looking for because uh Watchmen massages the regions north and DKR massages the region south. One is DNA and one is spermatozoa. Right, I mean, it's just that it's it's encoded in their their the nature first. Yeah, it, it it's encoded in the very stuff of each book. Of course, Watchmen is the far superior book. There's no question about it. I think in terms of taste, I would read Dark Knight Returns a thousand times. More I can tell you, than how, I, yes. I mean, I I which. Ask me which which one I've read more times. Yeah, and, and the answer is Dark Knight Returns. I've read Watchmen plenty, but yeah, sure. I I read Dark Knight Returns if not once a year, once every couple of years. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, do you? Uh, <laughs> T. Thomas wants us to rank the Image Founders in our own from our own preference. Very uh, very easy for me. I think it's pretty easy for me too. I don't think yeah. our list agree completely, but I think it's very easy for me as well. And and for this for the purpose of the question, uh, we will include uh, Wils in the conversation because he. Oh. You know, <laughs> no, because because he is technically an image founder. He yes. Listed as, but but like he was like he was the puss puss of the founders because yeah. like he barely he didn't really follow through. He's cousin anyway. Oliver. Yeah. So um, so the, so so for the listeners at home that are young bucks or didn't. We're, we're there. T. Thomas asking us to rank just on our personal preference between uh, Jim Lee, Eric Larson, Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Will Sportasio, Mark Silvestri, and Jim Valentino. Um, can we all agree that Will's is seventh? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, but it, it's a powerhouse group, so being seventh in that group is nothing to sneeze at. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, for me, Sylvester would be sixth. Oh, wow. no. No. Well, just tell me that you're sixth. Just give, get, we'll do it. We'll, we'll move our way up. You Valentino is sixth. Okay. Really, Vince? Yeah. I mean, I love his stuff. His non image stuff. I thought Shadowhawk was trash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 thinking about Jim and 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 his contributions to comics overall. But all right. Yeah. yeah. Sort of overall. Like I wasn't I wasn't just thinking like their work at Image, but that's I mean, what, that's so yeah. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Jim. Jim. The Valentino's number six. All right. He would be five for me. So. All right. My fifth is. Um, fuck him, Liefeld. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that, I mean, I actually had him as sixth, but but you convinced me with Valentino. Yeah. Okay. So all right. So fourth for me would be. Uh, Jim Lee. Yeah, I got to put Jim at at four too. Same. Yeah. Nice. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, three for me would be would be Rob. Silvestri for me at three. Yep. Uh, two for me would be uh, Larson. Todd's my second. Same. And Eric's my first. Yep. All right. Yep. McFarlane. 
Okay. Yeah. So we are. You two were identical. No, we're lovey dovey. Yeah. Because yeah, you, guys, you guys want a fucking room? Yeah. We already we got, got one. Yeah, in Seattle. We got one. <laughs> don't worry about it. We're good. <laughs> to each other and uh, and stare. Oh man, he's taking that hard. He's taking yeah, that he is, really I, hard. Are even are, are now now watch. We're gonna get an email tomorrow. It's like yeah. So our seats. I'm in first class. You guys are sitting by the wings. It's all right. Sorry, we guys. get them little bags of peanuts. Screw him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, it's a weird thing, right? Because like Rob clearly is the most important to me in terms of as a creative voice. He gave way to my muse, but as I've said many times, like my love for Domino as a artistic muse is not in lockstep with her catalog of comic roles, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, you know. Right. There's not a lot of bangers she was in as a story, in terms of story. Yeah. I mean, and and the image I was his. That was Rob's. I mean, Rob was there. He was he was at the beginning and and you can't discount, you know, what he brought and and he was one of the people who it it's there really wouldn't be an image without Rob. But when I think about what the others five because we already said Will what what they've done and and as far as what what I've enjoyed from them it's you know i mean he's and then <laughs> darren followed up that question with rank the image founders in order of their own perceived importance <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. i don't know eric has a big ego too he doesn't proselytize. Like, he doesn't feel the need to tell everyone how great he yes. is, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, it would, I think for me, it's like, I would at the top, it would be pretty clearly, it would be Todd, Rob, Jim, and then Eric, just in terms of their perceived importance. Like, I agree with that, yeah. And I, th- I don't think, I, I don't think, I, I don't no think Jesus, Jesus wouldn't let Rob overtake Todd anyway. I think he's got to be humble there, so. Yeah. But I, I think uh, in, in you said so stupid. <laughs> like, like, oh. Austin says, "F Mary, kill three of the slackers." <laughs> and then wait, but did you see Rob's answer to that? Rod's answer. Rod says he's dead. Yeah, you're probably dead, Rod. I tell you, the harder we to marry, man. I got love for so many of these people. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It'd be it'd be very hard, but I have an answer for Mary. Well, you got to do them all if you're going to do one of them. Well, then I don't want to do it then, because so, <laughs> I don't want to kill anybody. I love Wait, them what? all. I don't want to kill anybody. Well, if it's it's like Mary kill you know it's not you want to kill them, but like it's like, you have to make a choice. No, I don't. I could just forget it. <laughs> exists. One artist to rule them all. You have to choose who you're going to kill. <laughs> Let's move on. Wow. I started, so I'm the, I have to answer the question. You don't have to do anything. We can all move on and, and get into the second issue spotlight. All right. We'll go back to the second issue spotlight. Dap, you have another well, second issue? Of course I do. Um, and I'm going to follow, I guess, your lead here as well. Uh, although, no, it, I think the second issue of Batman 89 was better than the first. Um but it still was an issue that uh, it it seems like it wants to be a bunch of different things. 
instead of just kind of focusing on one thing. It, it's, you know, Batman makes a mistake early on in the issue, causes uh, Bruce Wayne to doubt himself. Um, but how can he still help the community, help Gotham? Um, Alfred suggests um, maybe if you can't solve problems with your fists, uh, dig into those deep pockets and maybe pull out the wallet. And uh, based on a speech that Harvey Dent gives, because he um, he's trying to, there's basically, there's two Gothams. There's, of course, you know, the high and mighties and the elites, and then there's the everybody else. Uh, in, in Burnside and how they get kind of lo- looked over and uh, forgotten about. And Harvey's trying to like unite everybody. Um, and Harvey is actually dating Barbara Gordon. She is a, she's a police detective. Um, and there is, there's a young man named Drake. Um, young black lad who is extremely smart. He's actually, he works at a garage and he um, he's the, the guy who owns the garage. Uh, oh, he sees him futzing around on the computer. I think he's playing games, but he's actually setting up a network to stay in contact with other garages. So this way, you know, if someone needs a part, this, this garage has Bob. So, you know, he's setting this whole thing up, showing off how intelligent he is. And, and, um, and Harvey is, Harvey's not blowing smoke up his ass. Harvey's actually trying to um, reach out to the guy, but but Drake is very much like you know, I I I don't need your pity, don't need your charity, you know, whatever. You're up to no good. You're a cop because he's a district attorney. He's like you know, and I ain't got time for cops, so you're all just out for yourself. Um, and there's a uh, Bruce Wayne meets with the community leaders. Um, and he wants to uh, he he wants to put up money for every school age child in the Burnside district to four years uh, tuition at uh, Gotham State University or a trade or technical school for whoever prefers to to go to those schools. But um, and and they're like, so how long are you prepared to, to do this for? He's like, listen, until I run out of money, which probably ain't gonna happen for a while but you know this is what he wants to do um but they really don't trust this white dude coming in and 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 flaunting his shit but harvey's like listen you know if if the good lord came down here with 10 plane tickets to heaven you'd be holding up for business class you know bruce means well and he's he's gonna back it up so you know just take advantage and and you know if he's offering his hand take it and um and we also get an appearance from catwoman uh, the the Michelle Pfeiffer Selena Kyle version, um, and there's a um, there's a gang of Batmen, just a bunch of guys, self vigilantes who you know just are basically trying to like like they're guardian angels in the city, and and uh, they're, they're just they're, they're patrolling the streets, and they want to make sure you know no crimes happening, but um, they basically they abuse their power, if you want to call it that. Um, one of the idiots breaks into a uh, breaks the window of a uh, of a shop and steals a, a new PlayStation, and and he's like, no, you know, we'll just say that 
listen, we found the window like this and someone had already stolen it. So we're, you know, the, the, the cops are on our side. We're good. But um, apparently someone stops him uh, kind of dressed up almost like a boy wonder might be dressed up. Um, and one of the Batman actually follows him home and uh a day or so later the garage is on fire and harvey dent rushes in to save drake who's upstairs um but the stairs give way and he falls down hits the ground he's knocked out and um and there's there's some batteries one of which is cracked open and there's the battery acid heading right towards Harvey. And, and that's the end of the second issue. So um, if the cover didn't give it away, I guess we're going to get Two-Face. And, and it's always been weird to me that, you know, we had Billy D. Williams in in the first two movies. But then the third one, we get Tommy Lee Jones. It's like, wow, the acid not only fucked up your face, it also turned homeboy white. But we'll see what happens in the third issue. And, um, and you know, I'll... I'm... I want to see where we go and I want to see how things start to come together. It's not knocking me on my ass. It's, 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 I, I appreciate what Sam Hamm is doing because he was there when Tim Burton was making the movies. So, so I have the connection there and I, I, I appreciate his um, familiarity with, with this universe, this version of Batman. Um, but it is, it's, it's kind of I'm not going to say it's sloppy, but it is it's it's a little jumbled. There's, there's it. It's hard for me to see a. Um, it's not as coherent as I'd like it to be. I you, know, you can sit down and you can watch the first two movies and and you see what everybody was doing and, and, and it goes from start to finish. But this is this. He's just throwing a lot here and um, it's it's just not as as. Uh, neat as as i'd like it to be and that and, that, and that's a person that that's a total me thing um someone else might be reading it you know mike myers or Haas might be reading it and thinking you know this is this is exactly what what they were looking for and it's perfect but um i can't uh i can't co-sign that just yet oh there you go doesn't make me want to run out and buy it i know he's honest at least no, you got to keep it 100. Right, right. Why don't you keep it 100? What you got? Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other number twos. Amazing Fantasy? Yeah, I read it so long ago, though, I barely remember uh, it. Oh, okay. okay. It's all right. Must have been a lasting impression. But you guys read it, too, though. I didn't read it yet. No, I, oh, I remember liking it, but I don't, I don't, admittedly, I don't remember the the details of it. So I I didn't I I this is one where I like the first issue more I um it's 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 a gorgeous fucking book I mean it's still pretty AF but I I'm not loving Uncle Ben I it's he's just his whole attitude you know Peter's dressing up like a freak and and you know you want to be a man it's like I, that that's just rubbing me the wrong way but um the whole thing with uh, and 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 Cap I get what Cap's doing. In, in interfering and, and putting his foot down and making sure, you know, bullies are, are, are tended to, but um, it was a bit heavy handed. 
but mm-hmm. uh, the the Black Widow story and and her marrying into royalty, it seems it, it's. Like I said it's it's a gorgeous looking thing, and then we get the appearance of of a uh, of mutant at the end. But uh, yeah, I, I um, it just after being so hyped with the first issue. I was really hoping I'd, I'd I'd get more of the same, and and it 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 just it, it as entertaining as it was, it, it it didn't light the same fire the first one you did. Well, I definitely can agree with that because I mean I was I can I was still stoked after the first issue, and like I said, I read the second issue and didn't feel compelled enough to to bring it up in any great detail. So I must 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 be a reason why now I can. It's been a month and I so. I mean, I, I I concur with the spirit of what you're saying. I see you both have Bermuda number two on your list, which hell which yeah! I must say, I, oh my I, god! Uh, I did not talk. Uh, I was not here on the episode when you all discussed Bermuda number yes. one. Um, I uh, I didn't read number two because I didn't. Number one did nothing for me. So, oh my god! I've decided, uh, or at least I've re-decided that I just don't. Fantasy is hard. I I I, I dislike more fan, more fantasy books than I like. I I try almost every one of them, and I find that most of them leave me wanting. Oof. It's just a genre I feel very like I guess picky about. I don't know. I just most of it doesn't do it for me. All right. Well, let's uh, give the devil their due. Uh, Bermuda number two was written by John Layman, illustrated by Nick Bradshaw, color provided by Len O'Grady. And, of course, it's published by IDW. Uh, see, I'm on the opposite side of the corner. I think the second issue far surpasses the first. Yes. In, in not only... Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I didn't read the second issue. Okay. I, I, the first issue was... All, I, didn't, I didn't continue. All right. Um, it's better not only in the depths of storytelling. I mean, this world just cracks open. The ecosystem of, of Triangle Island... Uh, expands infinitely you got bermuda and and uh doc they're racing to save bobby and you got these warring pirate clans and pirate monkeys what uh the 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 ver making a a brief appearance she lived with they were they took her in shortly after her parents uh were gone and so she lived with this this warlike race of of uh, creatures, uh, we get another glimpse of the myrrh, these these blood magic uh, and you know aquatic characters. The 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 big wig of which has a, he's a cyclopean one eyed thing. It's awesome. I, I I don't know. I I think the art. On the second issue is 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 like a sandblaster. It just just blows all the cobwebs of the day away. I think um, Bradshaw is oh Jesus is he, is he talented? Like this yeah. is a, a it, he's playing the Stradivarius on this. It's just a I think it's just an amazing whirlwind performance. Pirate Town, um, all of those things I mentioned. There's just, there's a fight. On a, in, in a pirate bar that's just gorgeous. Like every inch of the panel is just beautifully rendered. I I love everything about this book. Those giant creatures, the the chameleon type thing that mm. that she rides, like it's just 
infinitely detailed and gorgeous. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe you should give it another look. And there's a map. There's a map on the back cover. Uh, it's it, it, it's an absolutely gorgeous book. The colors are popping. It's it's fantastic. I it's there's so much going on, and and Bradshaw is is like Perez when it comes to just filling every single square inch of a panel. It's it's insane, and and I. And, and the little things like when she's she, she's all aggravated because you know now oh I gotta go save Bobby and and it's like oh she's such a stupid kid and 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 Press is like yeah he's, you're the same age man it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's just it's like yeah of course he says it to himself but it's 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 just it's clever the designs I mean the designs on the ver are just I mean that's that's our the featured eyes, image the skull and the ears holy shit no it's yeah and I think I think what I as as you were talking about the second issue, and we you know we open up with this whole um, with this flashback um, between uh, the Bari and uh, Lafitte, there was no um, there was no modern day. There was no there was no cut to dad. There was no we weren't we 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 stayed on the triangle for the whole thing, and and you know that was just that, that's all we needed. We didn't you know, we don't have to worry about whatever. Bobby and Andy's dad is doing on, uh, you know, trying to get them home or rescuing them. We're just, you know, listen, this is, she's, she's trying to save. No, she doesn't, she doesn't want anything to happen to Bobby. So, you know, she, she's going to go save him. And, you know, instead of listening to her and learning from her experience, you know, he's just doing what she wanted to do when she was looking for her parents. And he just wants to find her sister and, and rescue her. And it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot it is. Of fun. It's, it's a colorful it's, blast. Yeah, it's, it's a hoot. I, I I always get this feeling whenever I see uh, ship versus ship uh, action. Like, how dumb were they <laughs> to to position the cannons on the side of the ship where you had to parallel another ship to attack them? Make it the widest target you got. But it's like okay, so. You're positioned to attack your target, but your target is also positioned to attack you. Like, I don't know. Like, let's launch these cannonballs over at this other ship. Well, they're doing the same thing to you. It's it's like uh, mutually assured destruction. It doesn't make any sense to me. I could see if you could maybe aim the cannons, but they just shot one way, and that's forward. Yeah. It's goofy as hell. Oh, here comes the cannonballs. Who could have predicted that they would fire cannonballs at us. It's just so silly. But I, I love it. Like, even in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, when when they swing across decks, like, that is awesome. If you're trying to board another vessel and you got the sea roiling underneath you and you got these ropes and you board the Mr. Stewart, and you go, it's just great. Like, I love that shit. But I don't find the, the idea of uh, uh, ballistics... Uh, very smart when it comes to pirate ships or just you know those ships in general but uh, i love everything about this book again the, uh, it makes me glad to be a comic fan when, when I, I open a book like this but you gotta admit bradshaw owes a ton of gratitude to art adams like come 100%, on yeah 100%. it's as much as as much as hitch owes to davis absolutely 100%. yeah it's it's really close 
but in, you know if, that, if that's your inspiration then run with it my friend Shit. because he's one of the best how old is Bermuda supposed to be who Bermuda how old is she supposed to be Shh, I think 16 no oh, all right yeah you can't get all <laughs> Amorous <laughs> on her. Oh yeah, she's all there, spread yeah, eagle and shit. Like, but you, dude. she don't got a camel toe or anything. They don't. There's nothing no, delineated. You know, she's when, uh, when 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 he's trying to get her out of bed. Oh yeah, yeah. She's definitely not legal. So stop it. Yes, yes, yes. You it's should a, stop. It's a bit icky. That's it's yeah. It's a bit. <laughs> it is. <sighs> I thought the same thing too, and I was like, nope. <laughs> Turn the page. Whoa! Stop right there. Oh, good Lord. Jason, you want to ask us a couple of them their patron questions? You look at you. You just love these questions. I do. This your shit. That's <laughs> <laughs> my jib, yo. All right, let's see. Uh, I'm just going to spin the dial here. Ooh. Well, we'll just let Vince ask. I mean, unless I shouldn't, presum- I shouldn't be presumptuous, but I don't have really an opinion here. I'm not sure Dap will, but uh, I'm sure Vince has a strong opinion, and it'll, maybe it'll be a tough one for him. Mm. Uh, T. Thomas throwing out another hard one. Carl Barks or Don Rosa? Oh, Carl Barks. No question. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you explain that thing? Because I thought it would be a tough one for you. He's the OG. There would be no uh, okay. Don Rosa without Carl Barks. Gotcha. Yeah. and But they're very different approaches. I prefer uh, Barks's, uh streamlined depiction of of duckburg but i also love rose's very intricate and and finely crafted uh and delineated duckburg but i mean it's two two sides of the same coin but i don't think there's any duck fan that would say rosa over barks like i know that's kind of sacrilege Uh, maybe not maybe not uh I think even Rosa would say Barks. Okay. Yeah. Um, hold on. I like this one. Uh, uh, Haisha. By the way, who I think is our only, sadly, our only female. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and shout out to her because uh, I got an awesome little box the other day from her. Oh, it's in the box. Well, I was going to save it for the end, but yes, I did too. Well, God damn, isn't that cool? Thank you very much. I, I see. I was pronouncing it. Hey, Asia. It could be. I. I, yeah. I never said it out loud until just now. Like, like, like Vince's favorite fruit. Asi, Asai. Hey, Asai. Well, she's got a bunch of questions, but um, the so first one that. Uh, <laughs> Someone get yeah. this man a gun. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> you good? You good? Yeah, <laughs> working on it. She's got a bunch of good ones, uh, but we'll go with this one. Because it got six, uh, got six eggplant emojis. Um, everyone asks what you should give a new reader to get them into comics, but I want to know what issue, collection, etc., would you give to a seasoned reader to make them walk away from comics forever? Oh, that is so easy. Go ahead. I have two choices. Uh-huh. The entirety of Cerebus. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, because once they hit that final stretch, they'd be like, I invested my life in this bullshit, and now I have to read scripture for 30-some issues? Uh, yeah, or Puma Blues. 
Damn, man, you're going back to that. Jesus. Yeah. Damn, you Show just me how the doorway hurts you. Bro. You yeah, I fucking, you know what? I'm not going to front. I fucking hate it. I hate it. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> I, I mean, I have two that came to mind for me, uh, like, instantly upon reading the question. So, uh, and, and and no surprise, mine are Marvel, because that's I have a much deeper historical well to draw from there uh-huh. than any other publisher. But, uh the first one that came to mind is Identity Disc. Oh, everybody hates on that. Yeah, yeah. Gonna you could say that. Right, one. but if you're giving it... But the other one, and I think I like it even more, was my second thought, is Marvel. Oh, I don't even, oh, I don't even remember the, that. The James thing, yeah. You yeah. Bill Jamis and Mark, yeah. Mark Bright on art, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, Bright's good art, but uh, an absolute abomination, like yeah. a satirical look at comics in just... Like the most unfunny, like drunk uncle way ever. Like, like Jamis was probably cracking himself up writing the script, and yet it's like the dude that goes up and gets whopped in the head with a rotten tomato as he's trying to tell his jokes on stage. Like, the jokes fell flat. They were misogynistic, sexist, sophomoric, but not in any clever way. Like, just, just, just bad. Bad for bad's sake, and yet he, you could tell he thought he was the smartest guy in the room. Just an absolute abject failure on every level. Yeah. I have one more to add. Mm-hmm. Scott McCloud's um, The Adventures of uh, Abraham Lincoln. Never read it. I never yeah, read it's, that. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> That's why you don't. Hear, that's why you don't hear about it because it's Scott McCloud, the man who, you know, understood and reinvented comics, uh, and it's this this thing was, I you know I don't I don't like to use word like garbage when I when I talk about art it was garbage. Wow. Yeah. What you got, David? Uh, I'm actually surprised you didn't um you didn't say Death of Wolverine. Um, I thought that was no, coming. because I mean I think it's dumb as fuck, but I but I don't know that it's like a poorly executed comic. I mean, like if you're not like ridiculously invested in Wolverine as a character, right? You, you, I don't know that you'd be offended by it, would you? Like I don't think it's a bad comic. I just think it was a like I don't. I just think the story, the retcon was dumb. But you know what I mean? Like to me, making making Wolverine an evolved dog made no sense. But like, there's plenty of stupid shit that happens in comics that if you're not like beholden to a character it's not going to bother you i get that but what do uh, you say um well one's a dick move just because it's a personal preference for me i um i i still don't care for um the final crisis um oh my god that's a terrible answer what? like no because final crisis isn't like you may not like it, but it's a exactly really well- right. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but, I know, I get yeah. that, I get that. Um, I know what's coming. Yeah. What? Is there a number in the title? What are you thinking? I was thinking we three. No, I never he read, it. read it. How could he? How could oh, he that's right. Him? That's stupid. Yeah. I'm dumb. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you're not dumb because it probably you know what I mean. But I'm not. But see, that's something else that is I. And I haven't read it because I know what it's going to do, but that's that's a compliment to the creators. Sure. And just like Pride of Baghdad, I, I'm never going to reread that, but I wouldn't say that I would give it to somebody to not read. It's, it's a beautiful book. That that's it's, but it it's and it's on my shelf. But I'm never going to fucking read it again. Um, 
Yeah, I. That's so weird. I don't. Man, I, oh god. Um, yeah, because I kind of just walk away when when things are like when yeah, we talked Fantastic Four. You're, you're much better than Vince Wright, like just yeah, not finishing. Something. Like, like I didn't you're like I'm I, good. Yeah, I mean, when it's it's I love Paul Ryan, but you know what 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 he and DeFalco were doing Fantastic Four, I was like, I, I don't need this in my life. So I just yeah, it, it's so I just walk away. I don't I don't bother to see how it how it peters out. Um, I really really don't have an answer. Oh, I mean, I've got things I don't care for, but yeah, that's just that's a personal preference thing. I don't. I mean, I can't even even if I were to say. Yeah, even even when Justice League of America ended, when they were right right when when they killed off you know Vibe and Gypsy and or the, but it, it's it was silly and ridiculous. The same thing with you know fucking Emerald Twilight, what 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 they did with Hal. I mean, these are things that I find ridiculous, but I, obviously other people loved it, and you know Kyle's got his fans. So there's just there are things where I'm like, like I just said with Final Crisis, it's like that's. That's a series that people love their absolutes and they want to see it reprinted, things like that. But that's my feelings on it aren't indicative of everybody else. So I don't it's weird. I'm so I, I wish I wish I did. I, I wish I could find something. I wish I could think about whatever I have in my closet or something that the publishers have done where I was like nobody Nobody ever needs to read this. I, I I can't think of it. I'm drawing a blank. That's nice. All right. Um, <laughs> we got to do both of these. These are F. Mary kills Vince. He got to do them. Okay. They're not involving real people, so you you won't be offending anyone. Okay. Uh, hey Asia. Hi Asia. Hey Asia. Hey. When, we yes. have to find what. Yeah. Also, I'd love to know her real name. I don't know her real name, but that is it is. Well, that's her real name. At least, at least no, not the hey label. part. Right, that's her first name. Though. Oh, Asia. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I, I hope. Then I really hope. In the I episode really thread, hope. give us a pronunciation, please. Please, yeah. Um, so she you. starts off with uh, F. Mary Kill, Emma Frost, Jean Grey, Wanda Maximoff, and so then Brian uh, follows up with F. Mary Kill, Cyclops, Wolverine, Namor. Ugh. Listen, we're we are we are uh, we're all about representation here, so yes. I'm, I'm all for it. Yep. Um, I, I mean, for me, it's the 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 ladies is pretty easy. I'm killing Wanda. There's nothing redeeming about Wanda. Uh, she she's she's absolutely she's batshit crazy, and I I don't want that in my life. I uh, haven't talked to my mother in 30 years for the same reason, so I don't need to have her in my life. Um, between Emma and Jean, uh, I'm guessing. Most people would say Mary Jean. I'm not trying to have that either. Uh, I'll, I'll take Jean out for a hot weekend, but I think yeah. she would bore me to tears after that. So I want to marry Emma. I think Emma, strong woman, self-independent, wealthy. Uh, you know, I could. I'll be her. I'll be her concubine. I'll just stay at home, take care of the kids. I'm good. She'll let me buy any comics or art that I want. I don't to give her that. That's, that's pretty much. Yeah, I mean. It, it, Emma's somebody who you could, yeah, it, it it's kind of like, I think, the relationships some of us have, where it's like, you know, they're fine on their own, and, you know, your significant other can just hang out, you're great together, but when you need your me time or to just go to your separate corners, it, it's cool, everybody can kind of do their thing. Um, 
I, I, I think Jean would probably be a bit more freaky in the sheet, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine with her with the F. Um, All right, so we agree. Yeah, Vince, do you agree with those? Or no, no, I would kill Jean because she should have stayed dead from the get go. <laughs> okay, but um, so who would you would you F uh, Wanda or marry her? I would, I would uh, marry Wanda. Really? Yeah, I'm all about the chaos. And you know, you, <laughs> you know that she would protect you to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then for the gentlemen of the group, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Namor. Um, listen, I love Wolverine, but I think I got to kill him because, like, I, like, dude goes berserker rage. Like, if you get him hot and bothered, like, I'm feeling like I'm getting Adam Adkin through my heart. Like, unintentionally so. Like it's just too dangerous to have him, right? Like I like I'm not I don't know. It's like that's Seems dangerous. Clingy, yeah. That's just <laughs> dangerous, man. Like like he could just like you know you, you you know my man's having a moment and he could just lose control and then you're dead. So I'm not with that. So he's dead. I mean, not that you could kill Wolverine, but like I guess in this world you could. Um, you know, and then I guess uh, I guess I'd f Cyclops. I mean, I don't know that it would be memorable. But I gotta marry Namor. I mean, dude's a king. Like, if I'm gonna marry one of these one of these three, I gotta marry the one that's gonna keep me living in a lap of luxury that I've become accustomed. So I'm 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 all I'll, I'll be the I'll be the uh, chief consort of of Atlantis, like a boss. Hmm. Uh, killing Wolverine. Namor's the F because that just would be a lot of fun and wild. Well, Stanella said, you know, everyone things. is effing Namor, Brian. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Depp. I would kill Scott. Of course you would. Yeah. But I don't know anybody who wouldn't. Well, uh, I just said I wouldn't. Yeah, right. No, aside from Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, F Namor, Mary Wolverine. Wow. Dude, is a defender? Nobody's getting to you. Nobody. He's he's the ultimate the ultimate wall. Would you want that though? Like, yeah, you're like you're at a con, you're having just a nice conversation with with a with a listener, and then he gets all jealous and like guts. <laughs> I don't know who writes your script, but that's just weird. Like, why would he care? <laughs> that's weird. Jealous? Nah, because and then too the the whole is he going to fly into a red rage? That's that's exciting. You want pancakes? Ah, you you're missing. Chaos. You're missing an arm. Yeah, that's great. I love chaos. I do. See, for all the talk you have about about, about how much you you love my wife, uh, you guys wouldn't be good together. No, she's probably like, not. She's anti chaos, man. She's all about tranquilo. Oh, uh, I love it. <laughs> yep. There you go. All right. Should we? I continue. We continue with this second issue spotlight. I got two more. Uh, how many more do I have? I have two more as well. I think one of ours are the same. All right. Oh wait. Well, let me. I do have one other, and I'm going to be quick about it. So what is it? Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number two. Okay. Oh, excellent. Um, is it? Have you guys? Are, are you? Either I forget if you did. You, you read the first issue? I'm not current. Yeah, I, I, I read the first issue. Did you enjoy it? I, I if you talked about it, I wasn't on the show. No, I didn't talk about it. I I, I did it. It was. I want to. I'm going to go back when it's when it's done. It it. I enjoyed it, 
but I it, it was it was too short. It was a snippet. I just I I want more. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. I mean, first of all, a couple things. Uh, book written by Tom Tom King, friend of the show, great writer, so forth and so on. Um, you know, Tom in, in I guess intentionally at this point is is just kind of carving out like. I think when Tom retires from this industry, he will be remembered as the guy, the king of the of the maxi series, right? Like that's become his thing. Like you know, taking a character and doing an eight or twelve issue story of them. Um, uh, I enjoyed the first issue a lot. It's wordy as fuck. Uh, it it uh, Bilquis Evely's art is incredible. Mm. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this on Friday, which most of you will be, uh, Bilquis's art uh, for the last issue or the the most recent issue of this. Series goes on sale at Felix Art at noon, uh, if you're interested. But it'll go in like two seconds, so be ready. Um, I thought the second issue was good, but uh, a little... It felt a little like... Uh, you know, because of the I, the nature of comics, it, like eight and twelve issue series... Uh, I feel like maybe it's just my own mental hurdle. I feel like there's padding. Mm -hmm. And this issue felt like a well-executed step in the journey, but without much increased momentum. So it was like, okay, yeah, we we learned in the first issue what this story is going to be about. This issue is largely about the main characters, including Supergirl, traveling to a destination. And, uh, you know, there are, like, bits and bops that I enjoyed, but there's not much action. Like, a lot of it is them at a bar and sitting at a transport bus type of thing. And it's, you know, a little weird considering that, like, Supergirl is, like, sitting in a passenger chair and a commuter bus for most of it. Like, so it's, it's it was odd visually. It was, it was odd. It just, it felt odd from a pacing standpoint. I, I think if you read this, and so a lot of people do it, Tom's work. It'll fit in just fine because it'll just be part of a longer narrative that's excellent. But uh, as a standalone issue, it was um, a little a little mundane for me. But I'm not off the series. Like it just it was just I, I could like oh, okay this is this is a little bit of like getting us from point A to point B. And and maybe sometimes in comics you just go from point A to point B. You don't need to we don't need to see the journey. Just take us there. Nice. Yeah, it happens. So not, every, not everything uh, world-shaking can happen in every chapter. It's comics, though, right? Like, we don't need to, like, I don't I don't know that you need filler. If Give me a seven-issue series, then. I get it, yeah. Right? Like, like I don't, like, give me a six-issue series. I, I don't, like, well, make, I mean, make each issue count. how much of the stand is of great import to the narrative? Sixty mm, percent. Well, I mean, not, not to not to go down a rabbit hole, but I think we're talking about different mediums. I think prose is an entirely different. Yeah, but a story's a story. No, I well, I, I just don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily agree, though. Like, I don't. I guess at least specifically with your stand example, I. I mean, my favorite books tend to be books that have that relish the minutia. Right. But that's I don't enjoy comics like that. I, I like books like that. I don't like comics. Like to okay. me, they're just different experiences. Like, you know, that's why I love Kerouac. I mean, he he's the king of the minutia. I that's why you know I love long ass books like The Stand and Moby Dick. 
I mean, for a lot of people, Moby Dick is like the most tedious book ever created, but I love it. But like, I wouldn't want to read a comic that's that tedious. I don't know. Personal preference, clearly, but for me, I, I want my comics because they can be Ken and our multi-billion dollar movies movie sets like you know the unlimited budgets i I like i want i want that i want that visual magic gotcha yeah okay published by dark horse the rest you're gonna know written by mark evanier illustrated by sergio aragones and thomas yates color provided by tom luth of course it's guru meets tarzan number two the one thing, the, the takeaway for me uh, from this issue, and there, I mean, it, it, it's there's a lot of fun stuff going on in here. Sergio is is trapped in the Chula Vista jungle safari, and he's trying to contact Mark, who's at the con doing a panel, and Mark uh, picks up the phone, and, and they're talking, and Sergio's trying to get away from a lion, and he... he drops his phone and a hippo swallows it and in in the one panel there's a <laughs> there's a hippo walking around with mark evanier's voice emanating from its belly like that's just stupid funny to me <laughs> I, I think it's cute it's funny uh but the 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 takeaway for me is the fact that the book has a ton of heart like Sergio plays the buffoon in the in the whole story. Uh, so not only this issue, but the first issue. Sergio's portrayed as this bumbling, innocent, uh, just awestruck at reality type person who just flings himself into situations. But and Mark is writing the book. Okay, so Mark is the person depicting Sergio in this manner, and yet Mark. They're obviously friends, but Mark never hesitates to let the reader know that Sergio is the best friend he has in the world. And it, it's not an offhand line, right? Uh, you you can feel it in the book. Like, I can imagine Mark and Sergio just talking about the 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 finer points of the issue, saying, yeah, and here's where you do this really stupid thing. And you fall, and your phone gets eaten, and Sergio's like, "Oh yes, that's good." Like you could, you could tell they both vibe off, not only their real world friendship, but the caricatures of themselves in the book, if that makes sense. There's just the the book has it. It's a feeling book. There's there's just to me anyway. No, having known these men for decades, having read their work for just as long. The fact that Mark says, yes, man's my best friend in the entire world. Like, that just, doesn't that make your blood pump? <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cute. It's heartwarming. It's fun. But um, on the art side, Tom Yates is, is just a, an amazing talent. He's a maestro. There, there's a, a, a section where Tarzan is uh, engaging in these after-dark jungle escapades against these slave traders uh, and Yates does this moonlit, gorgeous chiaroscuro, just super dark shadows mixed with, or or juxtaposed, I should say, against these these just blasted moon blasted areas of of light. I, I 
my mind does not for a split second question the reality of Yates's world of Tarzan. Like, I have zero disbelief. I'm like a kid listening to a campfire story. Like, and then what? And then what? Like, it's just, it, it's completely captivating to me. The, the entire book. Uh, the the Sergio part of it, the, the Yates part of it, the towards the end of the book, both uh, artistic styles merge into one reality. And Tarzan's standing in front of this, this cartoonish group, and he's like, what is this thing? I have no idea what this is. Is this a, a man? I, I, it does not compute. Um, there's a Tom Richmond cameo in it. <laughs> did you did you read the second issue, Dad? Yep. Which I thought was nice because the the Mad Magazine, right? It's rooted in Mad. Stan Sakai makes another appearance, um, and and to see Yates and Sergio on the same page, where you could clearly see where one style ends and another style begins, like uh, I I love this book. I love it, and, and not only is is Beyond the Breach three different realities smacking together. This group meets Tarzan is the same thing. Where did you see Tom Richmond? They're in the convention, and there's a there's a, a, a booth, a table behind, I think it's it's Mark. And you don't see Tom Richmond. You see his signature, and it says, Mad Tom Richmond. You, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you see the side of him, not, not the whole... Uh, not yeah, any, yeah, any with, his, with, with his biceps, yeah, 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 um, yeah. No, the the this. I actually, I I enjoyed. I think I would like a book of just the adventures of Mark and Sergio because I mean, I the Tarzan stuff looked great, and it was it's continuing the story from the first issue. The Gru stuff, same thing, and and this act this issue actually uh, matters in the sense that it truly is Gru meets Tarzan. Um, but I had a lot more fun reading Sergio stuck in the zoo and Mark having all the panels he has to moderate and sit through. He sits next yeah. to Marv Wolfman. I mean, I love the time at the con. I love the stuff in San Diego. I think that was my favorite part of the second issue. Um, There's Zatanna walking around with Sergio's yes. <laughs> anti-gravity breasts. Yeah. <laughs> and you uh, know what? I got to be, I got to run counterpoint to you. I, I, I think um the tarzan stuff is very much needed because the Gru narrative can get a tad bit tedious i agree I yeah agree. And since, and since the Gru stuff does look an awful lot like the right, right. sergio and mark stuff i yes the, that that breather is is important and and again it it just it almost it's i don't want to say it seems out of place but it's just yeah it it is it's it's a nice juxtaposition of of yeah what sergio's doing but it, it it was still a tarzan story with him dealing with these poachers and 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 that's what tarzan does and and he's he's in he's got his ingenuity and you know he's making he's he's, he's stealing the rifles and it was it, it that was, was awesome he got them all in one shot yes well it, you know hey he spent some time he's with tarzan. Tree, yeah. braiding all the grass plays together um it the Tarzan stuff was was very welcomed, uh, but I, I st it, it's it was still a Tarzan story, and I got a lot more kicks out of uh, Mark stressing about 
how he's going to have to go save his bestest friend in the whole world uh, while he still has all these panels to moderate. Yeah. And one of the license plates says Magnor. Like, yes. Go, <laughs> instant love letter. Thank you. We're, we're done. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It is a real good book. I hope this gets a hardcover. It'd be nice. Yeah. Yep. I think this recipe works. They started it with uh, Gru meets Conan, and then uh, now there's this Tarzan. I think I should think they should do it for a ton of characters, just to keep when? Mark and Sergio doing what they do. Have them uh, go into the Black Hammer universe. The um, why not? The the when when they were um, going into the tunnels and and ending up uh, where they end up. I got a I got a real um, heavy. What if Conan meets Thor vibe? Because they both in that issue they both end up going down this cavern, and uh, and end up face to face. And that's that's an issue that just oh there 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 are two what if Conan issues. There's there's the one where Thor meets Conan, and then there's the one where uh, which obviously was a sign of things to come uh what if thor was in in the modern day where it's the sinkevich cover where he's got a revolver pointed at the reader and uh and and i remember i i think he had to take the subway but yeah there was i it, it, it was weird to see what if stories featuring conan but the uh i saw that tunnel and it just or the cavern and them walking down and and meeting each other i, I just I got that vibe. There's not too many ways to to make two characters like this meet. It has to involve yes. some kind of a portal. Yes. How else is she going to do it? Right. right. The technology doesn't exist. That could be any sci-fi kind of thing. It's it. Yeah. It's just it's. They both look into a cauldron or something. It's like when um, or drugs. Talking the turtles. You're right. Yeah. They, yeah. Do we have more questions, Jason, or do you want to? Do you have a book to talk about? Uh, let's lay low on the questions. I think we hit a bunch tonight. We want to space this out. We don't want to over inundate. I think. Okay. Whatever works for me. Yeah. No. I mean, we, we, you know, we got too much of a good thing. You know, can spoil the party. All right. Well. Oh, this, this is our seven hundred and sixtieth episode. So. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the clock on the wall, we got to back this bus up and say, mm. yeah. Hey, if you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered right to your door. There's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service. DCPService.com has everything you want at the price you want to pay, such as Croak Number 1 from Aftershock will cost you $249. Girl Scouts, Jim Mafood, uh, Stone Ghost Number 1 from Image, $1.99. And Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, number one from, who else? Dynamite, $1.99. In your travels, it's the last of the second issue spotlight. This was written by Mr. Cullen Bunn with art by Fran Galan, and it's published by Dark Horse, Lucky Devil, number two. I gushed about the first one, adapted to. Uh, the second is a bit of a, uh, it's a bit downbeat compared to everything that happened in the first issue. There was that mass murder, slaughter in the in the burger joint. Um, this is a bit more Machiavellian, right? Because Stanley's 
uh, he he's using his demon-driven power to rally the disenfranchised and the downtrodden, and uh, he's got a, a right-hand gal named Desi. Um, so he takes all the, the the proceeds that he's leeching from these believers, and he's funneling these infernal funds into purchasing real estate. To uh, he's making a church. And it's, it's a church of sleaze. There's a double-page spread with, uh, I'm not talking Kama Sutra, but there's a lot of positions on this spread. And it's in like a, a cocktail party type atmosphere. Some people are clothed. People are not clothed. There's debauchery going on. Uh, he, Bond introduces a character named Argyle Von Gray from the International Church of Lucifer. And Bond either hasn't researched it or cho- chose to uh, ignore. Uh, I'm I'm guessing this character is uh, a takeoff on Anton Zandor Levey from the the Church of Satan, but he gets the whole uh, Luciferianism or Satanism thing wrong. But that may be uh, by choice. So this this Argyle von Gray comes to Stanley and he offers him an alliance. He he wants to merge the congregations, and um, they're they're walking through the the party and there's a band playing, and they're the band from the Titanic, and and von Gray thinks that um, Stanley's slinging the same smoke and mirrors as he is because he has no idea. That Stanley's power is is real. Uh, he thinks that the band. He's like, oh, you hired a bunch of Titanic band lookalikes. I don't know how anyone would know, you know, exactly what the type. There there are some photos, right, of the Titanic band, but um, these are the exact band members that died. And Argyle thinks it's just like a you know a shtick, but it's the real band. Uh, Zed's not too comfortable with the new status quo and he lets Stanley in on a little secret and it just spirals into the end of the issue um, Zed knows exactly what went down in the burger joint because uh, it wasn't Zed that did the deed it was it was Stanley so Stanley's obviously not squeaky clean but uh, the depths of, of Stanley's uh, uh blackness i think we haven't really seen how far he can go yet um but there's other people other denizens of hell that that are aware of of what stanley's got going on and they show up at the end of the issue and that's the that's the cutoff and i i really like this series a lot um it's evil and it, it it's being evil as i am it speaks to me right because if i was suddenly found myself uh infused with demon-born powers, I would probably do something somewhat similar to what Stanley's doing. So I can get it. You get all that that, uh, good, good stuff, and I'm going to abuse it, right? Lucky Devil, number two. I get a kick out of it. I like it a lot. Nice. I got ketchup. Um, My last... Number two um, is The Me You Love in the Dark. Number two. Um, love Scotty. 
but for me, at least with the second issue, um, this is Jorge's time to shine. It, it's um, there's not a lot as far as action, and if you're just reading it, there may not be a lot of meat here, but it's uh, because you're supposed to just be honing in on, on what Jorge is doing. The, the art's fantastic. Um, it is, it's, yeah, the whole issue is just row, but based on the events from the end of the first issue, um, Scotty and Jorge have built on that. And, uh, there are conversations that take place, um, in this issue. And, there's um there's uh some growth and and it it's unlike what Jason was saying with the supergirl issue this moves at a really good clip and uh and and is i i'm here for it i it, the, where we're going with the third issue definitely has me um intrigued i i uh dying to see where this relationship goes and uh and i worry about roe but um you know she is she's a grown woman i'm still concerned for her um i'm not it it, it it's not necessarily a safety issue i'm not i i i don't it's the mental and emotional aspects i'm 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 concerned for her um but this was i i couldn't take my eyes off each page it it's it, the 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 panels are big um but uh you know between rose expressions and and uh and the way she's moving from panel to panel and and her expressions it's it's fantastic. I mean, it, it's almost like uh, it really, in, in some cases where it's just her, you you don't need any word balloons. There, there doesn't you know she just needs to talk to herself. It's all it's all in her face. It's 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 a fantastic issue. I, I thought the first issue was it was, was a cool hook and and I dug it and you know I even said as much to Scotty when he was here. But uh, the 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 second issue really got its hooks in me and um, and I'm 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 stoked for. Uh, for the rest of this miniseries. But uh, yeah, The Me You Love in the Dark, definitely check it out if you haven't yet. Yeah, for sure. Echo, cosine, ditto. And uh, speaking of Scotty, my inner travels is uh, thanks to Scotty as well. It is not a number two issue, so I'm sorry for breaking the, uh, breaking <sighs> the, the motif. But uh, when Scotty Too Hotty was on last month with Dap and I, uh, he mentioned Scott Morse's Soul Wind. And at the time, I said, I am not familiar with this work. And Scotty mentioned that it's one of his favorites and uh, that I needed to get with get it with get to it with the quickness. So uh, I heeded his call and ordered the hardcover collection of it and devoured it uh, last week. And it is wonderful. Um. Not forget, did, did either of you read this ever? Yep, in no. singles. Yep. 
Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because it came out in singles and through Image back in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Like 2002, 2003. Eight issues. And then it was uh, put out in trade form, I think, back in 2013 or 12 or 13. And then Oni put out this hardcover that I'm holding um, in 2018. So... It's the version I would recommend, or certainly the one you can. It's going can be easiest to find. Um, it's wonderful. I mean, it is. Uh, you know, Scotty made the point, and knowing Scotty's taste well, I'm not surprised that he loves this book. It's it's it is a contrary to what I said earlier. It is a fantasy epic. So I again, I don't dislike fantasy, but it's, it seems like catch the catch can for me. But um, it's essentially a story uh, about a, a young boy from Earth named Nick, who is. Uh, pulled in almost like the last starfighter style into this uh, alien world where there are other kinds of sentient creatures fighting uh, a civil war of sorts. And uh, they need a, they need a human to help, uh, help them and wield a a sword called soul wind. And uh, Nick, Nick wields the sword. But the cool thing about this book is that it's, it's a very all it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's audacious, you know. I mean, there there are a bunch of different, seemingly disconnected narratives going on for hundreds of pages. There's the story of this young boy Nick, who's a fish out of water, but he's but he's thrilled to be there. He he thinks of it as like a game, like a you know a grand adventure, uh, almost like um, Christopher Robin or something. Like he's all he's all about it. Uh, like even even though the the danger is real and people are really trying to kill him, he he doesn't. It's almost like he's in a video game. He doesn't conceptualize the danger. He's just almost got that that fearless swashbuckling approach to it all. Um, so so you've got that narrative. You've got this narrative of this um, almost like Legend of Korra uh, Japanese boy who's who's in in some are suggesting is like this all powerful chosen one. And uh, and he's there's there's a story about him. There's there's stories about uh, back on like our Earth proper and uh, an old woman who has uh, whose whose adopted son went missing a long time ago, and she's got another son that's um, much younger than the missing one would be, but a, a, a young uh, or you know a young I say he's like probably in his twenties, um, uh, gay black man who. Uh, you know, checks in with her repeatedly to, t- to take care of her or to make sure she's okay. And they have a great relationship clearly. And, and he's in a, a, a loving relationship and, you know, they're just interacting with her and she's telling them the stories about her life. And uh, then there's like an Arthurian legend component to all this. And you just, you're reading these different narratives and it, and it time shifts back and forth. And then there's this kind of almost star Wars sci-fi uh, battle epic where there's these uh, these masked and alien creatures that are all fighting and fighting for power and it, it all sounds very disjointed and in a way it is and and what makes I think this book worthy is that um, as you might expect all of these disparate narratives and settings do tie in and I think the trick with any kind of story like that is when they tie in does it make sense harmoniously or not and to, to Morse's credit by the end of the book, you're just I, well. I shouldn't speak for others, but I was completely satisfied with the way that they all tied in together, and I thought, well, goddamn, it all makes sense. And I think that's really hard to do. You know, you have to structure it before you even put pen pen to paper. 
and then you have to make sure that all those connecting points tie up at the end in a way that doesn't leave people scratching their head or calling shenanigans. And I think he did it. And I think it's really an achievement given how disparate each of the settings are from one another. Um, and like, if you're a fan of different types of fiction, it, it, it pays off there. Like, like soul wind is, is, I mean, I guess this isn't, hopefully this isn't much of a spoiler. Soul wind is Excalibur, you know, in, in one form, but it's also many other things in many other forms. And, um, one of one of Nick's alien sidekicks throughout the book turns into the Loch Ness monster, um, and I know this all sounds crazy and batshit, but it all makes sense in Morse's deft hand. And his cartooning style, if you're not familiar, is not dissimilar to Jeff Smith. It's a little less in terms of detailed on the line, but he spots black a lot more. But either way, it's the same kind of aesthetic, and uh, I, I think it's fantastic. So, yeah, definitely glad Scotty mentioned this. I was completely unaware of this book or this 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 story until he mentioned it. And uh, I would very much, if you're a fan of Bone or anything like that, you, you should definitely grab Soul Wind when you have a chance. Nice. Good one. Did you enjoy it when you were buying it in singles? Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, I can't pass up a book that has Scott Morris somewhere on the cover. Well, this made me realize how woefully uninformed I am about Morris's work. He's got a great because set. I've read I read like I, I looked up looked him up and see, like I know his name, but then I see other stuff that he's involved with, and I I admittedly haven't read a lot of it. Well, we're going into NYCC. Maybe you can uh, find some there from the vendors who won't be won't be set up there. You mean? What do you What do you mean? Like I don't know. I I honestly don't like Midtown's not set up. Like I don't know who's gonna. I'm, I'm just saying I don't. I'm being tongue in cheek, but I, I don't know what to expect in terms of the vendors. I don't know what it's gonna be like. Hmm. I don't think like the major publishers aren't setting up. Well, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be cool because it might be like it might be more wide open. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it's gonna be like. Well, we'll find out very soon. We will. Yep. Uh, I just wanted to... I had uh, some thank yous that I did get to, so I'm going to do that now. Big, big, hearty bear hugs and thank yous to uh, Rod the God, uh, Hey Asia, that's I'm going with, and uh, Brad Johnson. Um, I just have to say thank you, people, very much. Love them and love you. So that's all I got. Shout out to uh, Caleb for sending a... um a big box of goodies that uh, I will probably be sharing with Vince as I go through it, um, because it's uh, got a lot of Bibbo's favorite in it. Oh, Bibbo, nice, the Bibster. All right, everybody. Hey, if you enjoyed this, there's more that doesn't fill your ears but fills your eyes. You can go to Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, and Twitter. We have stuff all over the place there. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Huge deals coming soon with that. And while you're at it, tell this guy politely to say goodnight. I'm trying this. You don't hear that? Oh, well. Yeah. I fucked that up. I'm telling you, I got to get like a, a recorder... Or maybe a pan flute, ukulele, 
Just something to... You have a kazoo? Oh, I loathe kazoo. Yeah, no. Even as a kid, I'm like, ooh, that sounds terrible to my ears. David. Ah, good night. I'm not going to beat on anything. Cheating. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's me. Cheating. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Cheating. <laughs> How did Donnie and Marie ever become famous? <laughs> right? I will say she's aging very gracefully. Yeah. Very yeah. attractive woman. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what Donnie's doing. But uh, Marie, she's pushing that, uh, whatever the diet thing is. It's looking good. Every time she comes on, I piss the kids off. I go, you tell them, Marie. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, we, no I know. we love you people. We're out of here. Say bye. Bye. We'll be back Hello. soon. Don't cry. We'll be back. Look at the That's next. That's next. Yeah, that's a good point. Book of the month. Lord uh, of the Atom. And I think we might need to squeeze a bonus up into this next Yeah, one. yeah. Bye. That's it for that one.